are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. That's where I was born, and then we moved to Sandusky, and that's where Sandy was born, is in Sandusky. And then we moved to Columbiana, and then we moved... Were you in Letonia first, and then Columbiana? No, Columbiana first. Mom and Dad lived in Columbiana, and then bought the house where we actually grew up. I think I was five when we moved there, and then we were there until Mom sold the house. You have some great-grands, right? I do. Annabella. One, so you one. have one. Yeah, Kendall blessed us with a. I'm a Gigi now, a great grandma. Official Gigi. <laughs> I know. What did you say you have? It's it's, really... it's called a fixation problem. It's when your eyes can't focus on any one object, and so when you're reading, it's not like that. You reverse it, like dyslexia. Um, it's not like that, but you'll be reading and drop like a whole sentence. The other thing we learned with it is there are certain sounds you can't hear it's sort of weird that it's your eyes but and so I'm very bad at sounding out words and spelling it's terrible and so Chuck learned early on that you know especially as a pastor and a pastor's wife if he wanted me to read something in in front of people he'd tell me ahead of time so that I could practice reading it because he knew there could be a word that I would see that I just could not sound out so it's been from the time I was little the eye doctors fit me with glasses for stigmatism And you didn't need them? No, I didn't have to have glasses. It wasn't stigmatism. And we didn't find out until a kindergarten teacher realized Adam was having problems. And she said, take him to the specialist. And we did. He's the one that diagnosed it. And he did him, he gave him exercises to do for his eyes. And the longer I would sit and watch what he was describing, I thought, that's exactly what I've had all my life and did not know it. I didn't go through the therapy or anything, but now I realize why there's that problem. And I just talked to someone not long ago, and their child has the same thing. Interesting. I had never heard of it before. If it wasn't for that kindergarten teacher that caught it, there's other ways. I remember Vivian Ferrante, when she found out, she goes, you know, she goes, there's a mountain And there's a number of ways to go over the mountain. You can go over it, you can go around it, you can go under it, or you can go through it. And she said, Adam will learn how he goes around this mountain. And he did. He's excellent at what he does. So you can learn. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, I should have drank this an hour ago. Start chugging. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Bonnie. That's great. (laughs) Because my middle name's Lauren. Can I do Lonnie? Yeah. It's Lonnie. And we're here with Lenny. (laughs) No, we don't call you Lenny. We're here with the distinguished, wonderful, beautiful Mrs. Lynn Hamilton. Welcome, Lynn. It's good to be here. We have been trying to schedule you for (laughs) nine months, and she's too busy for us. (laughs) (laughs) It's just because we have so many babies being born. I know. My goodness. You're up there with the Sheldons. Lynn was born in Martins Ferry, Ohio, 
Her and her family moved around a little bit. They settled in the outskirts of Letonia when she was five years old. She went to Crestview High School. She's a Crestview rebel, proud class of 1968. Are you okay to be called a rebel? Yeah. Kathy wasn't. Kathy was like, I was not a rebel. I didn't do any sports. (laughs) I was a rebel in a couple different senses. (laughs) She was a true rebel, not just a Crestview rebel. She met the love of her life in high school. Her and Chuck have been married for 50 years. He's the love of her life, the keeper of her heart, her biggest cheerleader. We have a podcast with Chuck Mm -hmm. early on. If you haven't listened to Chuck, go check him out. Lynn and Chuck have five children. Their oldest, Lisa, had a tragic accident at three and a half and went to be with Jesus. Lynn, tell us your interesting story about your family, your five children, and how that came to be. Well, Chuck and I went together from the time we were juniors in high school. And four years after that, we got married and we had Lisa. And after she passed away, I was pregnant with Adam. So we had Adam. And then two years later, Adam was born in 75. In 77, I was due to have Joshua. Two weeks before he was born, Chuck's brother was shot and killed. His wife was abducted. Her body's never been found. Their children, Chris and Melinda, came to live with us. So we went from one child to four children in two weeks. It was a little crazy. Oh, I can't even imagine. They have 16 grandchildren. One is on the way. We're waiting. And Lynn is officially a Gigi. They have one great grandchild right now. Lynn's had many occupations besides being a loving wife and mother of many. She worked for Deming's office. She went to Key Punch School. She was a Key Punch operator. I hate to say this, but I don't even know what that is. I was just going to say, what is that? It basically was you would punch this. You had a disc and it was like a typewriter type thing. And you would punch in the information onto that disc. And then they would run the disc and that information would come off on it. And to be honest, I went to school for it. But I think I only did it maybe twice at Deming's. And then they put me as secretary and... Maybe I wasn't good at <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you were just so much better in another area. Yeah. I think we can use your gifts over here. <laughs> yeah. She also cleaned houses. She's been a caregiver for some senior ladies, and she worked at Regal Jewelers, at Rogers, at the market for several years. I can't imagine all the stories you have from Rogers Market. Some of them I couldn't tell on the podcast. <laughs> But Those are the ones very I want to interesting hear. also stories of how the Lord just opened the door for me to minister to people. And they were always so open. And I still have a lady I correspond with that I prayed through with her while she was battling cancer. And so I still keep in contact with her. Lynn has hobbies. She told me her hobby was reading. And then she said, not really, sometimes. <laughs> She remembered some other hobbies that she had. She was a 4-H girl, raised horses. I had one when I started out, Hercules. Called him Herks. He was a hackney, little fireball. And then I graduated to Star. He was half hackney and half Arabian. I had to break him, the man that had taught me to ride and everything. It was just down the road from where I lived. And he said, this is going to be your horse. You will break him. I did. And... A lot of bumps and bruises, but I just love horses. 
She loves horses. She loves fishing. I love to fish. She also has her conceal carry, and she loves going to the shooting range. What are your targets? Do you save your targets? Like <laughs> the only ta- the only target I ever saved was when I got my conceal carry because they give you a paper plate and you have to shoot right in the center of it in order to pass, and that's in all my certificates and everything. That's the only target I've ever kept. <laughs> Chuck and Lynn have been at the Upper Room since 1979, got in on the tail skirts of the Jesus People Movement. She was a pastor's wife for, she told me, 3,540 years. (laughs) 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 Although it felt like it, maybe. (laughs) No, I just forgot to put the comma between the 35 and the 40. 35 or 40 years. (laughs) Chuck was an elder. That's amazing. (laughs) She also led women's ministry at the Upper Room for 25 years, so I'm sitting in the presence of my forerunner of women's ministry. She also led a girls group for high school girls for four or five years, in which Kate was was the prodigy of, I remember lots of stories that you've shared about your time at her house. She leads small groups. She's in a shine group. She's also a leader of Sozo. And so she's been really involved in all aspects of the upper room. And we're so happy to have you here. Finally. Thanks. It's good to be here. You know, we were holding our breath last night. If that phone call came, we would have been going rescheduling again, going to New York to help deliver a baby. Really hard. Some will say oh my their ages, and I have to start at Alyssa <laughs> and, and start oh, trying to go down. And I could not imagine. But That's I know their lot. birth dates. Oh, good. <laughs> I have to have some kind of connection or a way to remember when people say what's the four one one. That is, I think that's Amos's birthday. Oh. Eve is. 819. So 9 minus 1 is 8. Like, that's how I have to. That's a lot of mental gymnastics <laughs> just to remember a birthday. It is, but that's like the only way I can do it. I only have like five to remember. You have soon to be 17. 17. No, because you have a Gigi. Well, yes, so, she's in there. So you already yeah. have 17. So now it's 18. That's right. But so I mean, love it. I bet. I love it. So, Lynn, tell us who or what turned your light on? Well, just as. I was telling you guys earlier, I wished it would be something light that I just grew up in the church, heard about Jesus and accepted the Lord. But I did grow up in the church. We always went to the Lutheran church in Letonia. My mom was a Sunday school teacher there. I went to catechism. Our poor pastor said we were the worst class he ever had. <laughs> we would distract, us girls would distract him and the boys would go and turn the clock ahead so we could get out earlier. <laughs> That probably didn't go over too well. (laughs) But I never had a relationship with the Lord. I never heard about having a relationship with the Lord. And and so Chuck and I got married in the Lutheran church, went off to be in the military for four years. When we came back, we went back to the Lutheran church. And on August 22nd in 1974, our lives changed forever. Lisa was at Chuck's dad's farm with Chuck. It was a freak accident. She was just running down the lane. It wasn't a steep hill. It was a small grade, and she tripped and fell. And when she fell, she hit a rock and split her head open, and she hemorrhaged to death. Consequently, it was like we didn't know the Lord. We had been going to church. We went to church because we felt Lisa needed to be in church. We would party on Saturday night hard, and we'd fall into church on Sunday mornings. That was our routine at that time. And, and when Lisa died, it was like like someone took an egg and crushed it. Our world 
was gone. Our lives revolved around her. She was a daddy's girl. She rode a motorcycle with Chuck, would hang on, and my mom just would have a fit. I would have a fit now, you know. (laughs) But she was a daddy's girl, and I'll never forget that day. You know, you look back at these things, and that day I was to go to work at Deming's. I got up that morning and thought, I don't want to go to work. I stayed home with her. I was with her all day, and it was sort of a thing where we had a Bible that the Presbyterian Church had given us when we first got married, because that's where Chuck had gone, and it laid on our nightstand. You dusted it off once a week. You know, you never read it, but you dusted it off, (laughs) and she was back there. It was just like you see pictures. It was like there was light coming down over her, and she was just thumbing the Bible, got a real eerie feeling. And I said, Lisa, leave leave that alone, you know? And she came out and we went and we did stuff. And that night, Chuck was going to his dad's farm. Of course, she begged to go with him. Out of that, I had always known Chuck. He's a very strong man, always protected me, everything. And I looked to him for strength and he looked to me and we had none. We had none to give. And that started our search. It was like, there's got to be something more than just going to church. What we didn't know at the time, Pastor Reimer was our pastor at the Lutheran Church. He was born again, spirit-filled, which you don't hear that a lot in the Lutheran Church, maybe now, but not back then. And he had a power and praise meeting on Saturday nights. And this little core of people were born again and spirit-filled. And it was their love. They just like, they just surrounded us. And they wouldn't let us go. And they prayed for us. And Pastor Reimer, I always say, I think he was the example that Chuck has always followed. He never left us. He was there night and day and prayed with us. Because he knew that most couples that lose a child, nine times out of ten divorce, they can't make it. It was out of Lisa's death that we began to search. We invited Jehovah Witnesses in, and they basically said she was in the ground, and that's where she was going to stay. And Chuck was so frustrated because we didn't know the Word of God. We couldn't prove them wrong at that point. And then we went to seven-day Adventist, and we ate meat that wasn't meat. We don't know what it was, but they said it wasn't meat. And we just, God's protection was just over us. Because we were searching, and thank God he allowed us to search in the right way. And Chuck would just, we'd go to bed at night, and he just devoured the Bible. He'd read things to me and say, Lynn, did you know this? And I didn't know. You know, I didn't know either. (laughs) The Lord began to show me visions. I didn't know that's what it was at the time. I was scared to death because of what he was showing me. And now I know it's a gift, but I didn't know that's what he was doing back then. One night, Chuck was reading the Bible, and we turned off the lights, and we were laying there, and all I remember doing was crying out to God and saying, God, we need help. And I looked up, and there were angel wings stretched over our bed, just hovering over top of us. I was so scared. I covered my face up. I thought, what is happening? All I remember is peeking out, like with one eye, and they were still there, and I thought, whoa, I'm going to sleep. I don't know what's happening, but maybe it'll be gone by morning. That was our journey. It was through Lisa's death that we continued to search. That's why I feel just to love people, because that's what they did. 
they loved us. There was no wrong answers. There was no wrong questions. The women asked me to be a part of a Bible study. I didn't even know I knew stories from Sunday school, but I didn't know the Bible. We were sitting and they wanted to make me feel comfortable. And it was the type of thing they go, if you don't want to pray, just squeeze the hand. I think for six months, I just kept squeezing hands <laughs> because I didn't know. And then one of the older ladies took me aside one day and she goes, Lynn, you don't have any problem talking to us. And I said, no. And she goes, that's all prayer is, is talking to Jesus. That broke it. I didn't squeeze hands after that, you know, but those were my mentors at that time. They raised me up in the Lord and instilled things in me that I didn't have, you know, before. That was our journey. That's how I came to the Lord was I knelt by my TV. Pat Robertson was praying and said, if anybody wants to accept the Lord, lay your hand on the TV. And I laid That's my hand. Kathy. I laid my <laughs> hand on the TV and I prayed and Chuck come home from earth. And I go, I accepted the Lord. And he goes, so did I. Oh. And so everything, that is something neat in our relationship too. We did it. We grew together. And that's been a blessing. Tell us, Lynn, what lights you up? my children and my grandchildren. I love them. There's nothing as a grandparent or a mother or a mother-in-law that I would not do for them. And I think not with my grandchildren or my children, but with my daughter-in-laws, my mother-in-law wasn't like that. Nothing against her. She ran, she was in a generation where she had, you know, five, she didn't want to raise anymore, you know, but I never got help. And I needed help, especially when we got... Going from one to four. One to four. And um, my mom was working. It wasn't like my mom could be there and help me. I can remember when Amy had Alyssa. I remember going to her and I said, Honey, I don't care if you just want to lay down for an hour and take a nap. I'll come get her and I'll bring her back. I just want to serve them. I I look at all my daughter-in-laws. They're magnificent women. I just love them dearly. They all love the Lord. I will do anything to make their lives a little easier. They have given me some of the greatest gifts I will ever have in my life, my grandchildren. I remember making a statement a long time ago, and, you know, we didn't have that many at the time, probably Alyssa and Nicholas, maybe. And I remember saying in front of in front of our kids, I go, if I would have known grandchildren was this much fun, I'd have had them first. <laughs> and Josh goes, well, what does that say about us? And I go, mm. well, you know, you know, our boys were boys. And Melinda always says she was the perfect one. <laughs> and they're always like, yeah, right. But... It's my grandchildren. It goes beyond just loving them and doing for them. As they've gotten older, Alyssa calls me every week. She drives an hour home from work. And it blesses my heart so much. Her and I have such a relationship. And the other ones, we have that. Every time I get a Mother's Day card from Alicia, she has the kids write in the cards. It just blesses me to know that I'm more than a grandmother. I'm an example. I'm a Christian influence. Colton will call me with spiritual questions, and I'm able to pray and help him through things. And it goes deeper than just being the fun grandma, which I am. I love to have fun with them. I look at especially Cam and Faith and the things they've had to come through. They've told me that I am such an example to them. And to see them walk out their lives, not hindered by what they had to go through and be women that handle themselves properly. 
it's definitely in my children. I loved every stage of them. It could be rough at times. It could be, you know, they always say when they're little, they need you. Mm. When they're teenagers, they need you more. And when they're grown, they may not say it, but they need you. Just a week ago, I was down for four days to help take care of Maverick, Josh and Jamie's. And it was interesting because she had to go back to work she had to go back to work before he did. So he was going to have to take care of Maverick and Aria. And he said, Mom, could you come help? And I was just, yes, he needs me. You know, because when they do get older, you feel like they don't need me as much. And But I just felt good to be needed. And him and I had a great time. Every morning he said, it's just like Groundhog Day all over again, Mom. We're going to do the same thing. And, and we did, but we had a schedule. We just work together so well. I loved every minute of it. That's what lights up my life. Tell us how are you letting your light shine? I mean, your light has shown you and Shirley are making me darn it, what? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're making me cry. Your light has shown for us and the women at the upper room, you know, we've, since we've been here, Kate's been alive and It's been a testimony. Your life is a testimony because, to me, because you haven't just had an easy life (laughs) and family hasn't been easy, you know, Mm -hmm. starting out with losing your three and a half year old and lots of pain, lots of heartaches. You've had divorces in your family and blended families and you and Chuck just continue to love so well. Even your ex-daughter-in-laws, or I don't, you probably don't say that. What do you call them? <laughs> Amy and Carrie. So you, you are shining all over, but tell us how you're letting your light shine in this season of your life. I was thinking about that question, and there's probably a lot of answers I could go tell to. Tell us all. Tell us all. <laughs> I would say five years ago when Julie Bramer and I started the Sozo ministry here at the church, Chuck calls it the sweet spot. I love it. I love to see God transform people's lives. I mean, literally right before your eyes. They'll come in one way and they go out a changed person. Julie and I have always said it's nothing that we do. We're just facilitating what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work in these people. And, you know, there's so many days we'll we'll be doing a sozo and we look at each other and go, what the heck just happened? Because... God just does it. And so I would say right now, that would probably be where my light shines. For those of you who don't know what sozo is, sozo is a Greek word that means saved, healed, and delivered. Yes. Because oftentimes, many of us have had that experience where we get saved, but then there's a lot of baggage Mm -hmm. or a lot of hurt or things that are keeping us stuck. The premise of Sozo is not just saved, but healed and delivered from things that are tripping you up. So it's a ministry that we do here at the Upper Room. Tell our listeners what that looks like. Well, as of right now, we are training some more people to be on the Sozo team. And so we will be presenting a new team to the church here within probably a couple months. Another word also we use with it is inner healing ministry. You would just contact me. And we'll set up a time to take you through that. Uh, It's not counseling. So if somebody's sitting here thinking, well, I've done counseling for years, 
That's good. Counseling is great. This is something that goes a little deeper and it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. It's not us telling you what you should do or helping you through something. And it's a great tool to have. You know, yes. we've we've talked about mental health on this podcast and have talked about how counseling is important. Sometimes medication is important. Absolutely. Sometimes doing the inner work and talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is important. It's not just one thing, but Mm -hmm. it's sometimes we need to wrap ourselves in several different tools. And so inner healing and the Sozo ministry is one of those tools that people have really found have launched them into freedom and feeling like they're unstuck from things that have been holding them back. Absolutely. And what I appreciate a lot about Sozo is it's almost in that and we were actually talking about this with Kathy too. But the idea that you feel like something's wrong or you know that something's wrong, but don't necessarily have a word or something to entitle that with or to, to name it. You know, you were just saying, I had this fixa- eye fixation issue and I've had it all my life. All of a sudden, there was a doctor that said, this is specifically your problem. This is what you're dealing with. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, that is it. And even that, what Rich is talking about, if you listen to his podcast, struggling for so long with issues in the past, and then Mel coming on the podcast and saying, you know, there are a lot of people who struggle with betrayal trauma, and Rich going, oh, my word, you know, I'm in my 60s, and this is what I need to heal from. And I think that Sozo can be helpful in that, because some of the resources are is that there are names to our woundedness outside of just saying, I'm hurt. Also, I think with Sozo, there's a portion that we do, it's the four doors. Yeah. And so doors can be open to our lives by other people or by ourselves. Those doors need to be closed. We have to go back to the root of where it was open. And then when God shuts it there, he shuts it all the way to where we're at right now with whatever it is. We see a lot of healing. I really feel, and this is just me personally, I feel probably everybody should be sozoed at least once and probably once a year. We walk through. I mean, when you walk through your daily life, I'm sorry, but you get slime sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's through words of other people or work issues, you know, it's betrayal, things that you walk through. Why carry that when there's something that you can go and let the Lord just remove it from you? Yeah, you don't I want think- your past to define you. You don't want your past to hold you. Mm-hmm. You want to be, you want to walk in God's freedom and his destiny that he has for your life. And those four doors that Lynn is referring to, sexual sin, the occult, fear, and hatred. You know, if you're out there listening and that perked your ears up like, oh, I got some of that, we would encourage you to give Lynn a call and touch base with her and set up a session because there is freedom in that. Amen. So I feel that's one area. The other area is just loving people. No matter where you go, per se, I don't have a job right this moment. You're in the grocery store. You're at the mall. You're walking in the park at Columbiana. And it's just striking up that conversation with somebody. Everybody has a story. Just at Sugar Creek last week, waitress, Lauren, her name's Lauren, and asked her, I just said, Lauren, you know, driving home, we'll be praying. Is there something we can pray for you and or with you? And tears just started running down her eyes. And she said, Harmony, this year has been a roller coaster in my life. And just broke right there in front of us, you know, and 
we prayed for her. And then we, all of us girls, I sort of sensed a lot of that was financial. And we just dug deep into our pockets and left $50 on the table for her. I mean, she didn't know we left it. You know, we walked out and just, because your three lights just beaming to me, you know, <laughs> I've never had anyone at Rogers or anybody that I've asked, can I pray for you, ever say no. Sometimes we're afraid to ask people. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid. But if you just step out, there's so many people that just need God's love. So I would say I let my light shine that way. At Rogers, there's been times where people have come up and going to sell them a ring is all I'm going to do. And, and all of a sudden they'll start talking and go, you know, I was just diagnosed with cancer. One gentleman came, and he was looking for something for his daughter that was nine, and he wanted a bracelet that has the emblem of for breast cancer. I thought, well, that was sort of unusual, you know, for a nine-year-old to have. And here he had just lost his wife, a young wife, a year ago, and he wanted something that his daughter would remember. And I remember I, I found what he was looking for, and I just took it and took his hands and said, this is for your daughter give it to her so she'll remember her mom in that way. He'd come back and just talk to me. Like I was saying earlier, I've got one lady that has gone through cancer twice and we correspond, you know, and every day I'd go to, or not every day, but every Friday when I drove, I remembered the women that had cancer and I would pray for them as I'm going to Rogers. And sometimes they would show up and the one that's up by Erie, she only came twice a year. And she would run around the corner and she goes, I'm still cancer free. Keep praying. And so it's those type of experiences that you just want to let your light shine that Jesus has put inside to others. And because really that's what was reflected to me early on. How can you hold back the love of God from people? I love that you are so passionate about strangers even. Lynn is famous for leaving big tips with notes for waitresses and blessing them. (laughs) But you also are a prayer warrior. I mean, you've had a lot of prayers to pray (laughs) with all those kids and all their endeavors (laughs) and grandkids. So tell us about that journey of your life. Chuck goes on mission trips all the time to Africa, to Mexico, to Brugon. I don't know. What are these words? (laughs) Timbuktu. (laughs) And Lynn is like, I'm not going with you. Um, But she stays at home and prays her heart out for Chuck and is his covering while he's away and prays for her kids. So Tell us about that, like your ministry, being a prayer warrior for your family, if you have some stories to share. Well, when you have four under the age of five and went through what we went through (laughs) to get all of them, you definitely pray. Sometimes you pray out of fear because you just don't know what's happening. I had some of the most precious prayer warriors as mentors in my life. Shirley Striefler, I walked with her every morning for I don't even know how many years. And and Chuck worked at National at that time. And he said he'd drive by and he goes, my mouth was going like this. And Shirley was just walking and listening, you know. (laughs) And she just instructed me, Ella Mae Kimple, what she poured into me to be the mom that I am and the grandmother. I remember her sharing with me one time. She goes, you know, we take our little ones and we throw them out into the world, which, you know, school, (laughs) out into the world. She goes, our home should be an oasis when they come home. And I took that to heart. I was like, I need to make my home an oasis. I'm not a morning person. So I'm not saying I got up and I I fixed this huge breakfast for my children. And they, we all sat down and prayed and (laughs) everything. I usually got them all up 
whatever they were eating, they were eating. And I sit in the living room and be like, okay. And then when they went to leave, I'd open my eyes again and we'd all hold hands and pray and I'd send them off. And I'd just sit down for a while. But I wish I was the mom that said that you cook the big breakfast, but I'm not. Many times, prayers, like I said, I've had many mentors that instilled that in me and the importance of it. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that moms, if you're out there listening, it could be the littlest thing. If if the Holy Spirit whispers something that might not be right, pray instantly. I had so many times where I would start to sense something and, you know, maybe my children were at school, maybe they were in the Marines, you know, wherever. God would begin to speak, and I knew I had to pray. I may not know why at that point. I just always wanted to cover them. You know, my grandchildren know that I pray for them every morning. There's some things that one of my grandchildren are going through, and, you know, I've been able to tell her, you know, I pray for you every morning. You're covered in prayer. A couple times, maybe it's because Adam was in the Marines, but those are the ones I'll, I'll share just a couple Adam wasn't in special forces yet, and they were doing what they called war games off the coast of the Carolinas with, I probably have this wrong, he'll correct me, but I think it was Great Britain, they were doing war games. And one night, I mean, in the middle of the night, Chuck and I are in bed, and it was like this lightning bolt, you know, when it's storming, like lightning looks like it just come into your house. And it did that, and I remember sitting straight up in bed, and God said, pray. I didn't know what I was praying for. All I knew was I needed to pray. Now, I knew Adam was out there somewhere in the ocean. I covered things, but I I prayed for Adam specifically. I prayed, laid back down. I went to sleep. The next day, Adam called us. There was two ships, and what they were doing is unloading the men, and they'd be on helicopters from one ship and the other ship, and they transport so many Marines in onto land, and then they had whatever their duties were they had to do there. Adam was on the last helicopter that went in. I mean, the last before the accident happened. He said he was on land setting up his equipment, and they heard this crash. And the two helicopters, somehow with the wind, got sucked together, and they collided, and all those men were killed. I don't know. You know, I've asked the Lord since then. You know, you asked me to pray, and I prayed, and my son was spared. But what about the 13 men that weren't. And so I don't know those answers. All I know is he said, pray. And I prayed. And when Adam called and told us about that, you know, it's just like in my heart, it was like, God, you woke me up and you told me to pray. I've learned over the many years, when my kids are little, when the Lord says something, he means there's something going on. You just need that time to pray. And one other time, this was a vision Adam always would call us when he was parachuting out of planes. He would, when he was doing a jump, he would call the night before and say, Hey, Mom, would you be praying? I'm going to make a jump tomorrow. I said, Okay. So, matter of fact, I was driving through North Lyon. I was going to clean a house. And I saw this vision as I was driving. And I saw Adam and his chute didn't open. And he was falling to the ground. And all I can remember was actually screaming, Jesus, Jesus, you know, I said, no, I cannot lose another child. Please take care of Adam. And I went on to work. We did our job and I came back home. And that night Adam called. I'll never forget. It was Josh's prom night and he was leaving for prom. We just got him out the door. The phone had rung. Chuck came around. He was just sort of looked funny. And he said, you need to talk to your son. And I said, okay. I knew Chris was there, and I knew Josh was there, so I knew it had to be Adam. And Mom, he said, were you praying today? 
And I said, yes. And then I told him, I said, matter of fact, I had a vision of you jumping out of the plane, your chute not opening, and you falling to the ground. And he said, and that's exactly what happened, Mom. He said, Mom, I jumped out of the plane. He said, it's within seconds. They've got a thing on the wrist. He said, pulled my chute. And it went into what they call a cigar roll. It went straight up and the strings were wrapped around it. And there's certain movements you need to do. You sort of hang straight and bicycle, try to undo it. He did everything he could do. His captain came in close to him, was mouthing things for Adam to do. Adam was doing everything. And finally, they and this was all within matters of real quick seconds. He knew what was going to happen. His second shoot was going to come out automatically. That one comes out automatically. And it was going to tangle with the other one. And that was going to be it. And the captain knew that. And he saluted at Adam, pushed off to get out of the way. And Adam had a knife in his boot. He pulled the knife out and he said, well, God, if this doesn't work, I'll see you in three seconds. And he ripped the chute off from the other one. His second chute came out. It was a rough landing. He didn't break a bone. I mean, he was bruised, but he didn't break anything. God spared him. You know, I look at those things, you know, sometimes we see things and we think, what is that? Why am I think? you know, why would I think that? But God is giving us those things for a reason. So it's that important to listen to whatever God is speaking to us about ourselves, our children, our grandchildren, our friends at church. So prayer has been an important part of my life. Yeah, you've modeled that so well to us. So, you know, if you're out there, a young mom raising kids when it's hard, it's hard. Let's just face it. Sometimes it's hard. And I think it's easy to look at women who went before us where it's like, you got your act together. You're making this look easy. And you forget that people have come through a lot of difficult time and they have advice and they have wisdom. Seek it out. If you're out there and you're like, this mother gig is harder than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. There are women who have gone before us who have so much wisdom to offer in that area. So I would just encourage you, if that's you and you're feeling like you're drowning and you don't know how to do this. I mean, really, I remember having Jacob and they, Mark and I were in the hospital room and they're like, here's how you give the baby bath. Okay, here you go. Go home. I was like, what? No, Are you no serious? No instruction manual like, or Oh my gosh, here we're, we're going home with this human. And literally, there's no training. You don't get that type of training. And we know it's hard sometimes and life throws curveballs. But there are women who have been through similar things or worse things or have persevered. And so we always a proponent, like bring people into your life, ask for people to come alongside of you and ask for wisdom Because there's so much wisdom in our church with the women who who have been here for a long time. I just really appreciate how even giving advice with some of the really smaller things, just obey. Like if God speaks a simple word, please do it. And it sounds so simple, but there's such a profound power in just the little things. And I just appreciate the obedience that you've shown in that. Praying on the way to work, praying if you're woken up in the night. I think sometimes life, it's so easy because it is so busy and it's overwhelming sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. You know, it's like, why would you ask me to do that? Or why would you? But those are the things we can't see in the natural eye that God sees. And he just wants us at that moment to be praying. It takes training, It really does. It's difficult sometimes even listening to this podcast and being like, I don't get any of that stuff. There is something of a 
tuning, you know, so I, even as there's some people who've been around like you, Lynn, and people who've been around and who have experiences in that, and who have stories to share about that, just to say, if you don't feel those things, just keep. I love how you mentioned earlier that you had experiences as a young mom, or even the day that Lisa died, but you didn't know what that was. Like you were just Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I'm just not going to work today. The first vision I ever had was the day of Lisa's funeral. And, you know, you're you're emotionally just drained. You know, you don't even know if you're functioning at that point. And, and I remember Pastor Reimer finishing, and they closed the casket for the last time. And I just remember looking up, and I saw Lisa sitting on Jesus' lap just waving to me. And I thought, I have just gone off the deep end. And it even at that moment, not knowing the Lord, it was like he spoke to me, not verbally, but said, she's with me and I'll take care of her now. I just remember like all those things that happened with the angel wings and I had a healing on my jaw before I accepted the Lord. I mean, all these things the Lord did and showed us, I didn't share those with Chuck. I was like Mary when the angel came and and told her all that stuff. It says in the word that she stored it all up in her heart. I did because I thought he might lock me up somewhere because (laughs) I was seeing these things. And I, you know, how do you explain that? I treasured all those things in my heart. And then finally, with that group of women, I began to share some of these. And they were just, tell us more. You know, they were so excited because they were experiencing those type of things. Those are neat things, you know, and it's happened a lot throughout my walking years, but those were the first. Lynn, what's your advice for parents out there who feel like they're going through a really hard time or dealing with things? The perseverance that you've had and the love that you've poured in, even though it's been hard, what's your advice from where you're sitting at today and with everything that you know? This too shall pass. <laughs> real, something real, worse profound, will come, <laughs> real profound words of wisdom. No, I really think, yes, raising children can be tough, but there's such enjoyment. I mean, I look back at all the little things I can remember about our kids, and they're funny now. They were probably life-shattering at the moment, but they're funny now. But Chuck and I always tell young couples, enjoy the moment where they're at, because it's going to be past really quick. And then it's a whole different realm of relationship that you have with them. Take each day as it comes. Deal with whatever you have to deal with at that day. And I always remember Chuck would go in, like, say he had to discipline one of the boys for something. You don't like having to do that when you're a parent, but you have to. And he would always go in before they went to bed and kiss them goodnight and say, I love you. Tomorrow's a new day. Because sometimes I think we let things mound up and it shouldn't. God forgave us. And when he says he forgives, he forgives. I would just say, always make sure when your children go to sleep at night, reassure them how much you love them and care for them. In our situation, we know that you're not always guaranteed another day with our children. And so that's always been something, even as adults, all of our children, when we are on a phone, we all say, we love you. And they say it back. We just don't let a day go without that. Well, I feel like we've talked about so many supernatural things already. Number four. Oh, you have one? Share another story with us. Supernaturally? You know, I've been to Mexico. I've seen a lot down Mm. there. I remember being in Saltillo and um, the Mexican 
people knew that when we were there, they would come to the gate and they would stand. They just wanted us to pray for them. I remember this lady brought her little son in and he was blind in one eye. And of course we tested it just, you know, you got to be sure. And we prayed and he could see. It humbles, it just humbles you that think that God would allow you to be a part of something like that. So I've seen a lot of things like that. I Down there, a lot of witchcraft type stuff. We saw chairs fly across the room when there's nobody in the room. We, we, we saw some things, but never once did we ever walk in fear of that because you know that God's with you. You don't ever walk arrogantly and it's like, oh, I'll go cleanse that house. I'm not afraid of that. Well, no, you, you go with, with God and he does the work. You're just going. And so this is the one thing we saw in Mexico. And now I'm not just saying Mexico. I've seen healings here too. Matter of fact, Beth and Rich were with us on that trip and we went in to this home. And I mean, when we're saying home, it was a little tin hut. All there was was a bed and a kitchen table. That was their home. And this lady had a big, I guess I'll call it a tumor. It was it was huge on her back. And she couldn't speak English. We were going through the interpreter. And her pastor was there. They asked us to come and pray for her. And we prayed and nothing seemed to happen. And the Lord spoke to me and said, there's unforgiveness in her heart. And so we asked the pastor about that, you know, and he spoke to her and the Lord asked me to share about Lisa. So I shared about losing Lisa. And here her son had been killed by his cousins with a machete. And because it was family, she could not forgive. And it was just like, Lord, where do we go from there? I mean, how do we ask her to forgive? And yet I knew there had to be forgiveness first. She forgave those people. And as we began to pray, we saw that tumor. And I, I'm like, this would be her back. The tumor was up like this. It wasn't like a little thing. We saw that tumor shrink before our eyes. I mean, God totally healed her. And there again, it's just listening. It's doing what God tells you to do. There's one thing in my life ever since I was a Christian that I can never, ever, ever doubt of God. And that's his faithfulness. I've known him meet us things we didn't know where when the kids first came where food was coming from how i was going to afford this or that and we had a shelf in our dining room and we called it our blessing shelf and every week a check would come from somebody and that bought groceries that week until we got on our feet and we were able to start to manage and everything mm -hmm. i can never doubt god's faithfulness whether it's through praying for my children my grandchildren through praying for the church i can't ever doubt his faithfulness. Mm. He's a faithful God. So beautiful, Lynn. I love that you love to listen to people's stories, but you have so many stories and yeah. you are a bright so light in our midst. Just so privileged to have you with us and sharing mm. your story. This is mm. a good time to end it because it's getting a little loud. <laughs> John's out doing the mowing. Wow. Oh, it is John. It is. Oh, hi, John. John who? Danny. You got anything else? Thank you for living like there's a supernatural. Thank you for living like both of those planes exist. You are someone who's verbal and not shy about that there's a world we can see and there's a world we can't see. And they're extraordinarily real. And I think in the place and time we live, that can be a little uncomfortable to talk about because in society, there's much less of an emphasis on the supernatural or things we can't see. I just appreciate that you talk about it freely. It's real and it's real to you. 
you were just saying earlier, you know, people don't like rejection. Talking about those things <laughs> are kind of like, you know, the red flags of rejection. Well, let's talk about real weird stuff. Like, what do you see that you can't <coughs> see, you know? We're of more use to the kingdom if we are, like you were just saying, just being aware. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lynn. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Thanks, Lynn. Bye. Bye.